Are we online? I want to welcome everybody. We got like probably about 600 people in the room. Um, that's a lie. It's about 10. But um, I want to welcome everybody online. I know a lot of people are at home today, maybe because of some bad weather or when it rains. Um, there's something that doesn't let us get out of bed. So I want to say thank you to everybody watching online. And if you're watching online or if you're in the room, stay with us till the very end of the message because at the very end of the message, I'm going to be talking about the time, um, date, and location of our very first public gathering at Second Chance Church. It's going to be so exciting, but I'm going to wait till the end of the message. And some of you are like, um, you're only going to do it at the end of the message, so we'll stay tuned in. You're exactly right. You are smart. Nothing gets past you, and so super excited today. If you have a Bible and you want to get to where we're going, there's going to be a couple passages we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and John chapter 20. Now, I'm going to eventually get there, so you can kind of mark that or whatever. Matthew chapter 11, John chapter 20. I want to start out today by asking you this question. Have you ever had any serious doubts about anything in life? Um, it could be politics, which the answer would be yes. Um, it, could, it could be relationships. It could be uh, sports. If you're a sports fan, um, you know what it's like to deal with doubt. Now, I've got a friend here that's a Georgia fan, so he had to suffer through this last week, and he's an Atlanta Falcons fan. And so, unfortunately, I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl last year. Super Bowl Sunday, tonight, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots are going to play. I honestly don't love either team, but because I'm a Dallas fan, I cannot pull for Philadelphia, so I'm going to pull for New England. But last year, New England versus Atlanta, once again, I didn't really care because I'm not a fan of either team. But because Atlanta's closer, I just thought I'll pull for the Falcons, right? I'm going to cheer for the Falcons. Now, I love everything Atlanta about Atlanta except for the traffic. Um, it, it's awful. It'll make you cuss lots. And so I'm pulling for the Falcons. I'm at a friend's house watching the game. And the Falcons in the third quarter went up 28-3. to on the Patriots. And I had serious doubts in my heart that the Patriots could come back. In fact, they were talking about how Tom Brady had never let a comeback or whatever. And so because of doubt, I literally walked out. I got in my car. I told my friend, because um, he lives two hours away, I was like, I'm going to drive home. And I started driving home. And about an hour into the drive, another friend called me and we were talking. And toward the end of the conversation, my friend said, by the way, you know the Patriots came back and won the Super Bowl, don't you? And I was like, okay, whatever. And they were like, no, 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 no. The Patriots came back and won the Super Bowl. You didn't know? And I was like, no. Unfortunately, I've been abducted by aliens during this whole time. There you go, Logan. I've been abducted by aliens. And so, because I thought that they were lying to me. And um, we hung up the telephone. And I started thinking, what if? Like, what if? And I pulled out my phone and pulled up my ESPN app. And it said, greatest comeback ever in Super Bowl history. I had missed it. Because of doubt, I walked out and I missed one of the greatest comebacks ever. The Patriots came back and like beat the Falcons. Was it an overtime, Jeremy? Was it an overtime? Yeah, Jeremy don't want to talk about it. Still, still some pain in his heart, bitterness. We're going to get that worked out after the service. Anyway, because of doubt, I walked out. And a lot of people have experienced doubt. Not just in the area of sports, but just let me ask this question for everybody in the room and everybody watching online. Have you ever doubted God? Like, have you ever doubted the promises of God? Have you ever doubted the 
presence of God? Have you ever doubted the goodness of God? Like, have you ever heard anybody say, God is good, and instead of saying, amen, you thought, I don't, I don't know. Now, now, the church answer, the church answer is no. The church answer is, no, I've never doubted God. I've always had faith. I've always believed. But, but if we strip away religion, if we strip away all the churchianity, not Christianity, but the churchianity, all of us at some points have had serious doubt. And the problem with doubt is this. If we express doubt in a churched environment, usually doubt will get us kicked out. Usually if, I, if you say, I'm having a hard time just believing God's words, God's promises, God's presence. I'm Usually people will lecture you about having faith and then kick you out. But what if, what if, what if God didn't use doubt to kick you out, but to actually bring you in? What if that was God's goal with doubt? He said, I'm not going to use doubt to kick you out. I'm going to use doubt to bring you in. Now, the, 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 big, the big thing that the church does, because we get uncomfortable sometimes with dealing with doubt, is we'll tell people, well, you shouldn't ask questions. You shouldn't ask questions. You shouldn't ask questions about God. I'm here to tell you, you can ask God any question you want at any time because God is not in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, my gosh, don't ask that question. Don't ask about the dinosaurs. Don't ask about, oh, my gosh. Now, some people push back and they go, oh, no, well, there's the book of Job, and Job asked questions, and God rebuked Job. God rebuked Job because he asked questions with a self-righteous attitude. That's, that, that's the whole thing about Job. But the Bible does not say we cannot ask God questions. And the Bible actually highlights the fact that when we doubt, God can use that for his good. I, just, just to be honest before we really dive in, I believed everything in the Bible at one point. I believed all the promises of God. I believed... All that God was good. I believed everything that the Bible said about God and everything people said about God until I was 11 years old. And when I turned 11, or after I turned 11, my mother died. Now, I want to be very clear. Her death didn't cause me to doubt because people die. And I understand that. People die, things die. Her death didn't cause me to doubt. It was her suffering because she had cancer and, and this was... Um, 1982, and we didn't have some of the medical advances that we did today. And sitting and watching her suffer, I remember scratching my head thinking, well, if God is good, why doesn't he either heal her or take her life? That, that, was, that was my question as an 11-year-old. And the problem with that is I met too many Christians that had too many weird answers. Like after she died, I remember somebody saying, well, God just wanted another flower in his garden. I'm like, what the freak does that even mean, flower in his garden? My mother is not a flower, and I'm about to put you in a garden. That, I remember thinking that as an 11-year-old. I really wrestled with doubt because I saw somebody suffer. You know, the, the next time, another time I wrestled with doubt is when I watched my dad die of Alzheimer's. And once again, I watched him Suffer, And anytime you see somebody suffer, it's going to bring up those questions. And I remember the, the, one of the most painful days of my entire life was the day my father forgot my name. He couldn't even call me by my name anymore. And it was, I remember going outside in my car and putting my head on my steering wheel and weeping uncontrollably because I was like, once again, God, you could either heal him or you could take him. And at the time, I was the pastor of a large church. I was writing books. I was speaking at conferences. But I had some serious 
doubt as to whether or not God was really good. And all of us at some point, if we're honest, would probably say we either have wrestled with it, we are wrestling with it, and I'm here to tell you if you have wrestled with it or you are wrestling with it, it's okay. I'm going to prove it to you. The Bible says there's a guy in the Bible, John chapter 1, um, and you don't have to turn there, it's just one verse, um, but John chapter 1, there's a guy in the Bible named John the Baptist. Um, not to be confused with John the Presbyterian, John the Catholic, or John the Methodist. This is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. So they were cousins, so they knew each other, they got brought up together. And John the Baptist, his, his role, his job, his calling was to tell people who Jesus was. And so in John chapter 1, verse 29, there's a verse where he says this. John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in this moment, right here in John chapter, chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, there's the Messiah. There's the one who's coming to take away the sins of the world. This is Jesus. This is who we've all been waiting for. John was absolutely certain there wasn't a doubt in his mind as to who Jesus was. And all of us, all of us have had moments like this. All of us have had moments where the presence of God or the power of God was working in our life. And it was so real. Maybe it was a church service. Maybe it was a worship event. Maybe we were riding down the road um, listening to a song. Just last week, I was uh, listening to a Hillsong song called uh, So Will I in my car. And it was just a powerful worship moment I had in my car. I'm just weeping. And it was, it, it was incredible. And during those moments, when we're experiencing something like that, we don't doubt God. We don't doubt his promises. We don't doubt his protection. We don't doubt any of these things. And I wish, and you wish too, that we could just stay in those moments sometimes. It's like when we get on the mountaintop, wouldn't it be nice just to stay on the mountaintop? But something happened with John the Baptist. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 11, um, I told you to turn there. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to get there. Verse 2, the Bible says this. When John, who was in prison, underline those four words because those are huge. Who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, hold on, hold on, time out for a minute, time out. We see John in John chapter 1 pointing at Jesus saying, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And here we are, just a few years later, John's asking Jesus, did I get it wrong? Are you the one to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, here's the question. How do you go from, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world to... Are you really the one we were expecting? How do you go from there to there? It's very simple. Where was John? In prison. And John wasn't in prison because of something he did wrong. He was in prison because of something he did right. See, one of the myths in Christianity is if you always do the right things, then good things will always happen. And that's just not true. But John was in prison because he had been preaching a message telling Herod he was doing something wrong and he's got thrown into prison 
And prison, here's something I've, I, listen, I've never been in prison yet. I'm, don't count it out. It could happen one day. But I'm absolutely confident that pain and uncertainty are two things that happen in prison. And pain and uncertainty will always lead to doubt. And so maybe you're here today and you've had a bout with doubt because you went through a bad relationship or you had a bad breakup or you lost a job or you got sick or you went to college and, and, and you took a class and a professor said something and it was, went directly against what you'd been told in church and you started asking questions and you got told, don't ask questions, just believe. And you just kind of walked away from faith and, 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 and maybe you're coming back to faith or you're just considering coming back to faith, but you've got all these questions and you've got all these concerns and I'm here to tell you that's okay. It's perfectly fine to have a doubt or two in our life. It keeps us real. Pain and uncertainty always cause doubt. Now, Jesus, I love this. I love this. Jesus answered John's question. Jesus in uh, verse 4 said, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. This is what he's telling his disciples. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Kind of talked about that last week. Now, here's what's amazing. Jesus recites Old Testament prophecies about who the Messiah was, but he left one out. The one he left out was, and the prisoners will be set free. In other words, John, I'm still God, and I'm still good, but you're not getting out of prison. Sometimes... Sometimes God delivers us from things, and sometimes God delivers us through things. But at the end of the day, whether it's from something or through something, God will always deliver us. Always. I, I love the fact, I love the fact that Jesus specifically answered this question. Now, when it comes to the greatest of all time, the goat. It's what we call people today. That's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And there's a lot of debate about who's the GOAT um, when it comes to football, like uh, quarterbacks. Some people say Tom Brady. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Um, when it comes to basketball, some people are like, who's the greatest of all time? And I just want to settle this real quick. I want to settle this real quick. It's Michael Jordan. Okay, LeBron, mad respect for LeBron, mad respect for Kobe. Jordan would dominate them. Anybody, anybody agree? You agree? Okay, so we've got some people agreeing, okay, because they're smart and because I have the microphone. So who's the GOAT? And a lot of people want to argue who's the greatest person of all time in the Bible, like who, other than Jesus, okay? I'll just get that real quick because somebody would go, Jesus. Um, who's the greatest of all time in the Bible? And some people would say it's Abraham. Um, some people would say it's Moses. Some people would say it's Noah. Some people would say it's Peter. Some people would say it's Paul. It's not an argument. Jesus answered the question. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, this is what Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, which would be all of us, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest of all time. But here's where I'm going with this. Don't miss this. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest of all time 
Not after John said, look, the Lamb of God, but after John said, are you the one to come? Or are we to expect somebody else? Jesus didn't call John the greatest after he ex expressed unbelievable faith. Jesus called John the greatest after he expressed serious doubt. Now, why is that? Why, why is that? Why would Jesus call John the greatest after he doubted him? Well, I believe it's because Jesus really does love and respect when you and I are honest, transparent, and vulnerable with him. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and his worship, or, and, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And one of the things, um, we're in a series called Losing My Religion. One of the things that religion teaches is when you show up and you're having doubts, you can't express it. You gotta be fake. You gotta, you know, even though everybody's got their hands up in a worship service, even though you're not feeling it, you gotta put your hands up. You gotta fake it until you make it. But Jesus, I think, I think when we're faking it, Jesus is kind of looking at us, shaking his head, because he knows what's real in our heart. So if you're having problems with God, tell him you're having a problem. If you're pissed at God, tell him you're pissed. If you're disappointed with God, tell him you're disappointed. God can handle it. And if your church person or your church leaders can't handle it, maybe that's not a place where you need to be a part of. Because at the end of the day, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest of all time. When John was honest, vulnerable, and transparent, going, I don't know if I can believe in you. And Jesus goes, that man right there is awesome. There's another person in, in the scripture who is famous for doubting, and his name is Thomas. In fact, he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas, which is kind of a it's kind of not fair, but Thomas was one of the apostles of Jesus. And um, Jesus had 12 apostles, and they followed him everywhere. Now, this is where some people, this is where we mess up. I've even messed up. I've said this before. Um, we say, well, if I could have been with Jesus, and if I could have heard him speak, or if I could have seen the miracles, I would, I would have greater faith. But I don't think we would. I don't think we would at all. Because Thomas got a front row seat to the miracles. Okay, Thomas didn't read about the feeding of the 5,000. Thomas like distributed the fish and the loaves. Like Thomas saw it. Thomas didn't read about Jesus walking on water. He saw Jesus walk on water. Thomas didn't just hear about what Jesus said. Thomas actually heard what Jesus said. If there's anybody that had a front row seat to the miracles of God, it was Thomas. Now, Jesus hung out with his apostles for about three years. And on, I believe, five separate occasions, he told them, listen, guys, 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 gather around. We're going to go to Jerusalem, and it's going to get real bad. I'm going to get betrayed. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to get crucified. And on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. Now, he didn't just say that one time. He said it five times. But they had a hard time wrapping their mind around that. So the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 24. Um, so, by the way, everything that Jesus said was going to happen, happened. He was betrayed, crucified, buried, and he rose again, and he appeared to the disciples. But there was one disciple that wasn't there when Jesus appeared. Anybody want to guess what his name was? 
Thomas, exactly. Um, now, the Bible says this in verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which that's a problem, um, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, now listen to this. This is just, think about this. This is really graphic. Carly, I'm really sorry about this because this is graphic. This is graphic, what Thomas says. It's in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were, all right, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, I would, I would have been okay with like if Peter would have got a selfie with Jesus or something like that, right? I would have been okay. But Thomas did not believe. Now, I want to pause because Thomas gets, he catches a lot of flack for this. But can you blame him? He had seen Jesus crucified. He had seen a good man die. How many of you have ever been to a funeral? You've been to a funeral. Okay, none of us at a funeral have been looking at the person in the coffin going, God, man, I'm really praying they make it. <laughs> I think afterwards we'll go to Fuddruckers, and afterward when we go to Fuddruckers, they're going to be there. No, if I go to somebody's funeral and I go to Fuddruckers and they're at Fuddruckers, I'm going out the back door of Fuddruckers, all right? Like, I am gone. Like, when somebody is dead... They're dead. It was true 2,000 years ago. It was true. And so I don't really blame Thomas. I don't really blame Thomas for doubting the word of God and the work of God because of what he had experienced. He had seen Jesus die. But the thing I love about it is Jesus, just like he answered John, answers Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 26 says, a week later, notice Jesus didn't answer him immediately. Jesus let him wait a week. Sometimes when we express our doubts, our disbelief in God, and we don't get an immediate answer, it's because he's working something out in us. Jesus let Thomas doubt for a whole week. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I want to pause. Do you know it's possible that you can have peace and doubt at the same time? You can have peace and doubt at the same time. I have, I've dealt with it. You, it's like I'm not sure that God's promises are true, but I've got some peace in my life, and I don't know where that peace comes from. And the Bible says that's the peace that passes all understanding that comes from God. Um, it's possible to have peace and doubt at the same time. Jesus spoke it. In verse 27, I want you to read what Jesus says. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. That's rough. Yeah, that's a, she said that's rough. So, so notice this. Thomas said, this is what I'm going to need to see. This is what I'm going to need to experience. And Jesus is like, all right. You want to touch my hand? Put your finger right here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side, which at that point I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with a hand. The hand. The hand's got me. Stop doubting and believe. Now, I've heard this text taught on for years, and it's like Jesus is rebuking Thomas. I want you to listen. I think Jesus said this with a smile on his face. I think Jesus said it with a smile on his face. 
Because, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, you want to touch the nail marks? Go ahead. Come on, look at the side right there. Go ahead. I think Jesus said it with a smile on his face. And in verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So if Thomas, who had a front row seat to the work of God and the words of God, took him three years to believe, if Thomas had to wrestle with doubts, then naturally you and I are going to go through seasons where we deal with doubt as well. And once again, I believe because of Thomas's vulnerability, he was able to get clarity as to who Jesus was. And until we're willing to express vulnerability, sometimes I think we won't get clarity. Because the church many times encourages people to be fake. I don't think we'll ever see a real Jesus. So if you're having a doubt, or you're dealing with discouragement, or you're dealing with disbelief, it's okay to let God know. He, it's not like he doesn't know anyway. I love, I love when Thomas said, my Lord and my God, because it's just proof that Jesus met Thomas exactly where he was. Now, Many of you, most of you watching, those in the room, you know my story. In 2016, July of 2016, um, I lost everything that was dear to me and got to go to a place called rehab. And that was not, if you've ever been to rehab or you know somebody that's gone to rehab, they didn't come back talking about what, the, what an awesome time they had. And in that season, I doubted. Um, I doubted a lot, a lot of things. I, the first person I doubted the most was myself. I doubted my ability to make good decisions. Um, I doubted my calling that, that God had on my life. And I did. I really, really wrestled with, God, if you're good, then why did this happen to me? And it was a season where I went through the desert of doubt. It was super dry in my life, and I really wrestled with it. But... Also, a year ago this weekend, my friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick, uh, I never will forget the text he sent me when he asked me to come speak at Elevation. He said, it's time to get Rocky back in the ring. And it was funny where I had, I had doubt and God did not rebuke me for it, but he met me there. And I was able to, to preach again, something I never thought I would ever do. Um, sometimes, sometimes God uses really great people to step into your life and pull you out of that dry season. And Pastor Stephen Furtick was that guy for me. And so I I'm just, I'm just want to encourage you, encourage you today as we get ready to conclude the service. If you're dealing with doubt or you're dealing with disbelief, it's okay to tell God. And don't, listen, don't expect an immediate answer. Thomas had to wait a week. I had to wait six months. Don't expect an immediate answer. And, but even though that God may not answer immediately, he will do something eventually. And I think the vulnerability it takes for a person to say, I'm really struggling to believe. God, help me believe because I'm struggling to believe right now. I think God is looking for those kind of people because the people that are honest and vulnerable and transparent are the people that he will use 
to change the world. So with that in mind, can we pray? Everybody, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're driving your car, don't bow your head or close your eyes. But I just want to ask you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, are, are you dealing with doubt right now? I mean, on the surface, maybe everything's okay. You've got everything together. You're polished and everything's good. But there's something going on in your life or the life of somebody you're close to. And because of it, it you've got some serious doubt about the goodness of God, about the promises of God. I want to invite you right where you are to be vulnerable and transparent and just tell God right now, God, I'm having a hard time believing Help me believe. God, I'm having a hard time trusting you. Help me to trust you. And don't worry about God rebuking you. For many of you, maybe the reason you haven't had the breakthrough is because you haven't been honest enough to say, I'm just really dealing with doubt right now. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And, and you've been told you can't become a Christian um, if you've got questions. I'm here to tell you I've been a Christian for over 20 years and I still have questions. And so maybe today you for the first time have been like, you know what? If I, all you got to understand is Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for your sins. That, and say, you know what? If Jesus died for me and, and he made the payment for my sins, then I want to accept him. I want to accept him in my life. And if you got other questions, listen, we all have other questions, but it starts with belief in Jesus. And so if you're here and you want to ask Jesus to come in your life, where, no matter where you are, watching online, I want you to pray right now and just say, Jesus Christ, right now, I confess you as Lord. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I ask you into my life to take over. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed to receive Christ, you can indicate on um, the Second Chance website by hitting that little hand raise button so we can know that you prayed to receive Christ. Or you can shoot us an email, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com. We would love to get that email or let us know on Facebook notifications. Um, and if you have something that you're really wrestling with, any type of doubt or disbelief, let us know. We want to pray for you as a church. Just email us, prayer at perrynoble.com, and we would, love to, we would love to pray with you and pray for you about what, what you're going through. Hey, before we, before we adjourn today, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been faithfully giving to Second Chance Church. And if you want to give, it's at mysecondchancechurch.com. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a give button. You can click on that and give online. I want to say thank you. Because of the way you've given, we're able to do this stream every week. Eventually, we're going to upgrade the camera. Um, that's going to be kind of nice. Um, you can't upgrade the face, but we can upgrade the camera and make, maybe make the face look better. Um, we're able to do some really cool foundational stuff. And, and this week, we were able to secure the venue for our very first public gathering as a church. Now, I'm going to say this. Um, how to If you're interested in volunteering or you want to volunteer or whatever, information about that is going to be coming out in the next few weeks. So we don't have that information because this week we were just able to secure the location and the time and the date. So if you want to volunteer, we're going to get that information out. We'll, we'll begin to have some information this week on the Second Chance Facebook site. 
But the time or the, the date of the event is Easter weekend. Easter weekend. So March 31st and April 1st. We're going to do a Saturday night service at 6 o'clock. And we're going to do a Sunday morning services at 9.15 at 11.15. The location is going to be at the Bleckley Station in Anderson, South Carolina. Um, it seats about six or 700 people. Um, and so we're, we're hopefully we'll fill it up three times or e even if we have 12 people there, we're going to have a lot of fun either way. We're going to, we're, we're not going to have childcare. So there's going to be no nursery, no childcare. So you can bring, bring your, bring your kid. But if you bring your kid, bring hearing protection because the music's going to be loud. Um, if it's too loud, you're too old. And so we're going to have loud music. We're going to have a band. We're going to have worship and preaching. That's it. We're not going to have anything else, really, no kids, no nursery, so you can bring them um, and either give them a lot of ADD medicine or uh, bring them an iPad or whatever. I don't, I don't care, but I just want to let, and if, if that's, that's all we got. That's all, it's going to be awesome Easter weekend. It's going to be an incredible celebration. I hope you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. It's going to be incredible, so thank you so much for joining in the Second Chance today. Can't wait to, wait to see you next week as we begin a brand new series called 5G, 5G, and I'll tell you more about that on the Facebook site, Second Chance Facebook site this week. Love you guys. God bless.